You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward-ass ideals we have here in the United States. This is episode 121 of American Sex Podcast, and I am Sunny Megatron. And I am the coronavirus. No, that is too <laughs> fucking soon, man. <laughs> too fucking soon. What? No. Coronavirus. No. Go back Weinberg? to being uh, Captain Penis or whatever. What was it? Agent Penis. Agent Penis. And Be- I'm Agent Penis. Thank you. We are sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too. Our guest this week is Sydney Leathers. She's a sex worker, a freelance writer, covering the intersection of sex work and politics. Sydney was thrust into the spotlight in 2013 when the press leaked her identity after she exposed sexting conversations with Congressman and New York City mayoral candidate Anthony Weiner. Prior to the sexting scandal involving Sydney Leathers, Weiner faced a similar public sexting scandal and apologized. After Sydney went public, Weiner was caught sexting again, this time with a 15 year old girl. For that, he served 18 months in prison and is now a registered sex offender. It was after the scandal that Sydney started her porn career starring in the satirical adult movie based on the Wiener scandal called Wiener and Me opposite Xander Corbis. And you know what? Xander makes an excellent Wiener. He does. He does. I saw a picture of his face. I did. Now I want to go. I didn't. I haven't watched Wiener and Me, and now I need to watch it. We have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, we totally point. have. And to you know watch what? It. I giggle every time I say the word Wiener. I don't. Like, it doesn't matter whether it's his last name. You're describing a hot dog, or it's a dick. Wiener's a funny word. It, it is. He probably got teased as a kid. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. How could he not? I don't know. Anyway, enough about Wiener. Fuck that guy. This is all about Sydney <laughs> Leather. Wiener. Fuck that Wiener. No. <laughs> Fuck that guy. No, Sydney Leathers, I absolutely love her. She so was awesome. She's been through hell and back. You know, way back when, when I would see her on the news, I would marvel at what a confident, outspoken young woman she was. And what I didn't know at the time and what the public didn't know at the time was the turmoil she was suffering from being outed and thrust into the spotlight. So with that came slut shaming and misogyny, cyberbullying, hiding from relentless media and the paparazzi and even threats of violence and death. During this conversation, Sydney talks with us about what it was really like being at the helm of one of the biggest political sex scandals of the past decade. She said it was a very lonely, dark time for her. And after seeking professional help, she ended up being slut-shamed by her therapist, isolated by her family and friends, and even shunned by some of the people in the adult industry. She tells us how she eventually came out on the other side of this scandal and how it actually improved her life in ways she never could have imagined. We also reflect on how this scandal may have been different if it happened after Me Too. Plus, we examine the historical narrative that women are evil temptresses and the cause of sex scandals. As a society, we held that belief with Monica Lewinsky without considering how power dynamics and age and, of course, the really big important one here, how the men themselves factored into the equation. Sydney also gets into political geekery with us, giving us her pick for the 2020 election 
And she tells voters what to watch for concerning issues impacting sexual freedom and sex work when evaluating the 2020 candidates. So have you guys been watching our Sex Ed live stream series on Wednesday nights? You should be. They're free this Wednesday, March 5th, where you're talking prostate play. During this broadcast, we'll guide you through the act of prostate massage for fun and good health. Although this stream is for everybody, it's focused on people with prostates, especially cis men that have apprehension about anal play. Learn about anatomy, biological processes, relaxation, arousal, and ejaculation. Prostate massage will not only increase your orgasmic pleasure, it may also reduce your rate of prostate cancer. As always, if you stick around to the end of the broadcast, you may have the opportunity to win sex toys. This week, our prize sponsor is Tanga, and we've got not one but two spinners, the Tetra and the Spinner Shell. These toys can be the perfect companions for prostate play and solo play. Watch live or on replay free at bit.ly slash sunnygetvocal. Hey, Sonny, do you know what time it is? Uh, God, I'm thinking of something good. Time for breakfast. No, time for lunch. Time it, for blowjobs. Time for Stir Friday. Time- <laughs> stir Friday. Every Friday. Stir Friday. Why- we never do Stir Friday. We do it every Friday. You don't even realize that I get- make you Stir Fry on every Friday? You make me Stir Fry like every day, so Friday's not special. Oh, I mean, every- how every- dare every- you? <laughs> because every day is special. Every day is so special. Read the dialogue. <laughs> yes, Ken. I know what time it is, and it's apparently not Stir Friday. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. That song means our Patreon family is growing. Big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Taylor and Desiree for becoming American Sex Podcast Patreon supporters this past week. Also, huge shout out to Don, who increased his membership level. We appreciate so much that you guys do this for us, and we couldn't do the podcast without you. If you're curious about Patreon, find out more about membership at patreon.com slash American Sex. Not only does your membership help support this show, you get lots of awesome perks too, like bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, all our regular episodes early, American Sex Podcast stickers, a shout-out on the podcast, random surprises in the mail, and much, much more. And right now, our Patreon is hopping. It's like Stir Friday over there on Patreon, but every day. So there is- So it's just like here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Special every fucking day, Ken. So right now, there is bonus audio up from Sydney Leathers telling us about the worst thing someone has ever said to her during sex. Plus, we just dropped a new bonus episode. So when it comes to bonus episode, this social media post from one of our followers sums it up very well. They said... If you are not supporting American Sex Podcast via Patreon so that you can get extra podcast episodes discussing how to ethically and legally engage in cannibalism, what are you even doing with your life? So really, uh, ask yourself that question and then go become a patron. Before we get to Sydney, I also have a free thing for you. Actually, free things, but one at a time. First thing, we're giving away an Eddie 
two-pack, and access to Giddy's revolutionary interactive ED educational guide valued at $249. All you need to do to enter is go to sunnymegatron.com slash Giddy dash giveaway. That's spelled G-I-D-D-Y dash giveaway and just interact with a contest widget. We draw the winner on the 18th of March. Good luck. Also, there's one more giveaway going on that ends today. So if you're an early bird listener, you might get this worm. This giveaway is open to women identified folks that can be in Malibu, California this coming Saturday on the 7th of March. I've got a ticket to the all day sexuality and empowerment event called Women Who Wonder. This is an Instagram giveaway. So hop on over to my Instagram at at tag Sunny Megatron to enter. And I'll also have the link to this giveaway, the other giveaway, and anything else we mention in this episode in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for episode 121. All right, American fuckers, here's Sydney Leathers. You know what? In life, there's three things you're not supposed to talk about in polite company, sex, politics, and religion. And today's guest, we're going to talk about at least two of those things. And who knows? Maybe the third, <laughs> maybe one, the third will come one. I don't never, know. We never know. We have with us Sydney Leathers. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, very excited. Very, very excited. I want to say I met you like years ago at I think it was Exotica or something. Like yes, in- I came up and like ambushed you because I had seen the show <laughs> on Showtime and I really enjoyed it and thought you were adorable and smart and funny and I was excited to meet you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And and like ever since then, I've been following you on, uh, you know, Twitter and we're Facebook friends and this and that. And I just have to say that you are like, I mean, you're probably young enough to be my daughter, I would think, but you are like feisty as shit. And I love your content. I was just on your Twitter and I was like, you know, anyone who's not familiar with you and your like sharp wit and your feistiness, your pinned tweet kind of says it all. It was, (laughs) I love when strange men online try to tell me I shouldn't have opinions because I've done porn. Sir, I'm able to be a cum dumpster and have opinions just like your mother. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Snap. And I was like, oh, damn, yes. So I'm I'm particularly proud that my most popular tweet ever has cum dumpster in it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that's fucking amazing. So. All right. So for 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 those of you who or for people listening who aren't familiar with you, um, you I don't know. I hate the term you hit the scene, but you you uh, appeared in the public eye for things that were really not really under your control, I guess. So do you want to like get us just quickly up to speed? Like, when did Sydney Leathers hit the public sphere? And why? Yeah, super weird, complicated story. I feel like every time I say it, I sound like I'm lying because it's so odd. (laughs) Um, But when I was 22, I had been sexting a former congressman. When I was 23, I got outed for that when he was running for mayor of New York City. Um, I think because I had kind of like leaned into the press stuff and was, you know, making money off of my name, people assumed that I was just some like 
crazed fame whore, I guess. But nobody really understood like what being outed meant and that I had no, you know, say so in any of that. If anything, if I could have kept it from coming out, I would have. But that was not an option that was given. BuzzFeed actually is the site that outed me, which is sad because I just want to enjoy like cute animal listicles and not have my life ruined. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, as do we all like that's. <laughs> and by the way, I have to say you did like when we were researching you, we watched a lot of the interviews that you had done in the past. And you in particular handled Sean Hannity in the most amazing way. You didn't let him push you around. You got your point across. You were eloquent and you didn't let him control the, the situation or the conversation. And you were just amazing. So I wanted to say congratulations on, cause like that's a tough interview. Like that's a really tough interview, especially from, you know, what side of the political tracks you're from. It's really weird too, because I went into it with like absolutely zero respect for Sean Hannity. And I hate to even admit it, but he was kind of a lovely person. I'm like cringing as I'm saying it because like I don't want to say that, but he actually was a fairly nice guy. I mean, atrocious political views. I agree with him on pretty much nothing, but. I do have to say he treated me with respect and was fair and was nicer than a lot of, you know, more liberal people that interviewed me were. So. Yeah. Well, I know, like, in the beginning of that interview, and I, it was, like, the same reaction to your cum dumpster tweet. I was like, damn, she just said that. Um, <laughs> you were like, <laughs> like, at the beginning of the interview, you were like, okay, look, either you're going to, like, tear me a fucking new asshole and rip me apart or you're going to be really nice to me because I took down a liberal. So what's it going to be? You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. And, and I do. I'm like under no delusions. I totally believe that is a big part of why he was so nice to me. I'm sure that if I was like in Stormy Daniels position and had gone after Trump or some other Republican, it would not have been such a nice interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do just, believe that. <laughs> man, you fucking call it how it is. And, and you know, that's what... As I was watching you just go through everything that you went through and be at the helm of a scandal and deal with all of the shit that women get when they're at the center of a scandal, which we'll get into some of that shit because a lot of it's, you know, based in misogyny. It's unfair. Like you get pinned as like, you know, like, oh, you're trying to eat up your 15 minutes of fame and you plan this and all this bullshit that's not true, you know, and but as I watched you just handle the media and be so outspoken and so confident w- within yourself, I was looking at you and the outside persona that you portrayed as like, fucking A, she kicks ass. Like, yes, like high five the TV. But was what was it like, like on the inside when you weren't on TV, putting a smile on your face and being so well spoken and and seeming to deal with it so well? Yeah, on the inside, I was definitely devastated to start with. I mean, I had family members that wanted nothing to do with me because of all of this. I lost almost all of my friends because I grew up in Southern Illinois where it's very conservative, you Mm -hmm. know, so and people are just much more closed minded and judgmental there. So, you know, I lost like the majority of my childhood friends even because people were just so, you know, (laughs) shocked and appalled that I could ever sex you know, it was sexting scandal. That's what's so crazy to me. Not that I should be shamed if I screwed the guy, but really I didn't even right. have sex with the guy. It was sexting, but it was just the way people reacted to it was really wild. Yeah, there were definitely people that wanted absolutely nothing to do with me 
going forward. It was it was tough. And I have a a really tough family background and weird family dynamics. Yeah. And and I love my dad, but I'm kind of the parent. So it was like he was falling apart more than I was. So I had to like be really strong for him. Like it was just a really tough, weird place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. I grew up in that same family dynamic. Yeah. (laughs) It was like my mom was always the one falling apart when I should be falling apart. So you end up being the strong one and you end up like, you know, t- caretaking for everybody while really on the inside, you're completely falling apart, but you can't really let anyone know that because nobody's there to caretake for you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really like lonely, dark time for me, for sure. And I'm so glad I, I do trauma therapy now and I'm super like open about that. That has like changed my life. Uh, I'm so glad I found that because. <laughs> Just regular talk therapy was not doing it for this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> it are was you doing deeper than that? Yeah, are you doing the EMDR like for, yeah. for PTSD? Tell yes. me about that, like because it's it's become I don't want to say like a hot new buzz, but it like more and more people are learning about EMDR it's a newer technique, and more and more people are learning about PTSD that it's not just like men on the battlefield that you can have PTSD from like continued trauma or abuse throughout your life for, you know, one incident, multiple incidents. So tell me about like how that works and how that's helped you in your particular instance. I think it was hard for me because so I had childhood trauma. So I had my own crap to deal with and had been diagnosed with PTSD prior to the scandal. Mm. So then the scandal was just like a whole new layer (laughs) of like extra trauma and bullshit to deal with. Um, So that's when I learned about EMDR. I'd say I've probably been doing it about, mm, I'm going to say three and a half, four years, something like that now. Right. Um, But it's incredible. It's one of those things where if you Google it and read about it, it sounds like bullshit but it really does help. They don't even really fully understand why it helps. They just know that it does. Yeah. It's And there are a few different ways to do it. I know there's one that's an eye movement one. I The one I do is there are these little like hand buzzies. Um, but you basically just like sit and process the trauma that you went through that you've kind of compartmentalized and allow your body to feel all the stuff that it's been kind of shoving down and you know, again, it's, it just sounds kind of new agey, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like it might be bullshit, but it honestly has like changed my life. I've been a much happier, more stable person the past like three or four years because of it. Wow. I, I'd recommend it to like anybody I know that's had any kind of like, whether it's childhood trauma or I don't know, there are just so many different things I feel like it helps with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I feel this. I've never done it. I've known people that have done it that swear by it. And it. you're right. In one respect, it sounds like a bunch of hokey hooky ha ha. Um, God, I just <laughs> sounded like a grandma. Who says that? <laughs> But in Grandma another respect, that. it's like, it totally makes sense the way it kind of rewires your brain and like the path of the trauma and how it affects you. So yeah. All yeah, right. Especially for my childhood stuff, like that felt like fresh stuff that I was just carrying around constantly. And it helped me kind of put that in its place. It doesn't feel so like, I don't know, so terribly fresh. Yeah, it just it, it's helped so much. Yeah, yeah. So I was reading somewhere and I don't I it, like it, I was looking at a bunch of articles and doing a bunch of research and 
one article that I had come across, like just briefly grazed over that, like, at one point you're going through this, you had a therapist that like slut shamed you for doing porn. So it's like, and I think a lot of people don't realize like people in the adult industry, when you go to look for a mental health professional, it's really fucking hard. I think the worst part of that is that I actually, so I had checked myself into rehab, not even for drugs, just for emotional issues. And I went to a place where it was a kind of a business connection I had. The guy like owned it or whatever, helped operate it. So he was kind of like giving me the hookup or whatever. I'm thinking this is going to be great. I can just like get back on my feet emotionally, like work on myself. And then, yeah, I get there and the therapist they had assigned to me was basically like, porn is the root of your problem. And I'm telling her like, it's not though. Like, these are my problems. You know, please listen to me. She's like, no, you can never do porn again. I'm like, you can't tell me that. <laughs> like, oh, God. That is my decision to make. So it's just like a really terrible experience. Yeah, I was like desperately reaching out for help somewhere. And then I go to get help and get slut shamed. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. And it's like, yeah, I can't even imagine, you know, after all that you've been through. And then, yeah, the one person there to help you is like, rah, 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 rah. And it, it would say it's hard, too, because I do feel like she had good intentions. But it's like, if I'm telling you this is not something that I find traumatizing, please listen to me. You know, Right. <laughs> like- exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, go- it's interesting. I don't know, for me as a consumer of media, you know, and just seeing all the things that have gone on through the years, I look at some of the big scandals, at least in my lifetime, like Monica Lewinsky, you know, and that was 90s. And now we're fast forwarding to, you know, the, what do we call it? The teens, the, the, what, what do we call the 2000 and teens? Is that her name, Ken? I don't know about the, the teens, I The guess. teens? I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's like, I even look back at myself who, you know, I'm someone I consider a very open-minded, sex-positive person. I'm very anti-slut-shaming, pro-sex worker, that sort of thing. But I look back at my 90s self, you know, before I, I... I don't know, expanded my thinking. And I think about the things I thought about Monica Lewinsky and just any woman who was at the helm of a sex scandal. And I'm like appalled at some of just the assumptions I made and the slut shaming and the, you know, well, you must have brought it on yourself. Well, do you, you know, oh, do these women realize that they've ruined this man's life? (laughs) You know, and I look back and I was like, I'm like, shame on, you know, 20 something year old me thinking those things. So like when when you went through this, what were some of the I don't know the 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 incorrect messages and things that you were fed by society or that like media was saying about you or even people in your own life? Oh, I mean, basically everything you just said that, you know, you did this to this poor man on purpose. Like it was all some elaborate setup and, you know, you did this all to get famous or for money or um, yeah, just that it was all some grand scheme that I'm like an evil genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a, definitely a lot of that kind of sentiment. And it, it made, I noticed it made a lot of men angry and kind of like weirdly fearful of me, <laughs> which is so funny. <laughs> um, like pre scandal, I had done some sugar baby stuff and 
pretty much any men that approached me in like a sex work kind of way wanted to view me as submissive. And then when this happened, men viewed me in a, like a way that I was like scary and powerful. And now the most men that come to me are submissive men (laughs) who who want like financial domination or yeah, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's actually hilarious how that narrative has kind of benefited me in a weird way when it comes to sex work yeah it's kind of changed the game for me <laughs> that's really amazing that's <laughs> so it, kind it, it of is. awesome it really yeah, is, it is. It, no it, it's definitely that is a plus i would say oh my goodness so okay so like when you got into you know you you, you said you had been sugar babying and doing like dabbling i guess in sex work um and then when this all hit you got into porn and you know coincidentally you have the best porn name ever um, I know everybody thinks it's a fake name and it's actually my real name. So that's really funny. <laughs> so you should be like a, you know, a dominating leather clad, I'm going to ruin you kind of woman. I know. Like, and, and when I was in high school, my friends used to be like, man, that'd be a good stripper name or a good dominatrix name. Nobody ever said porn, but here I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So when, when you got into porn and you, you got the notoriety you have as a sex worker, um, how did the scandal and this and your past either like pigeonhole you or hold you back? Did people look at you in your sex work in a different light than, let's say, kind of your average emerging porn star that would just come out and do random scenes? Yeah, I have to say, I a lot of porn people were extremely nice to me and extremely welcoming. The majority of them were, but I did have a few that were just like, Oh, absolutely pissed at the amount of money I was going to make off my first movie. And I have to say, Vivid put out that they paid me a million dollars. They did not pay me a million dollars. I wish they had. That would have been amazing. But there were people that were so angry at the idea that I might be getting a million dollars off one movie. Granted, I did make much more off that one movie than any normal porn person would off of one movie. But still, that's because they were capitalizing off my name in the moment, you know, but there were definitely people that were angry about that and not excited to welcome me into the business. Wow. And did you get some of the same sort of, you know, how the public was thinking all these like slut shaming, misogynistic kind of things? Were you getting some of that same attitude from within the industry as well? Actually, yeah. And one thing that struck me as really funny there, I'm not going to say her name, but there was this one particular performer, a veteran performer who was really, really nasty to me and was saying things like, um, Wiener was a married man, like you home wrecker and how dare you and stuff along those lines. Like you should never go after a married man and, you know, shame him. And then she has said things about Trump. So Mm. it was just interesting to me that, you know, when I was in the press for doing something to a man, she was so angry about it. And then the second she could be in the press for a moment. Yeah, it just was interesting. Yeah. But it's like, it's the typical hypocrisy. You know, it's like, men can get away with cheating, do you know, doing all this stuff. And it's like, you know, clear, you know, look at the case of Wiener, or like, if we're looking at, you know, any political or major sex scandal, like any, you know, you look at the dude did this, the dude did this outrageous thing, did this outrageous thing, oh, my God, and then this outrageous thing. And that, but it seems to always be the woman's fault. You yeah, know, and it's definitely. <laughs> I mean, that's just it's so pervasive 
everywhere. I don't know how, like, do you have any thoughts as to like, how do we get out of thinking that? Like, why do is you know, I think back to like, God, go back to the Salem witch trials, like women are evil devil witches that cause innocent men that would never dream of doing something immoral to do all of these horrible things. It's like we haven't really changed our thinking. Um, yeah, you know, just definitely. different context. So what what do you think is going to get us to fucking wake up? I don't know. And it scares me. And I do find myself like thinking about past historical things through a different lens now that I've been through something like that. It's like, oh, my God. And and the media is so sexist and so terrible, even still. (laughs) Sometimes I do wonder how different because my thing happened pre me, too. You know, it happened in 2013. Oh. So I, I do wonder how different it would have been if it happened a few years later. I think I, I may have, I may have had a little bit of an easier time, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I do catch myself wondering that at times, like how, how much would that have changed things? I don't know. Yeah. I wonder. That is a good, I bet you it would have. I, I would bet money on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're in Vegas. So we've got to bet money on something. By the way. <laughs> And, you know, because there was nobody at the time that was saying, like, this is a 23-year-old young girl. Like, why are you totally blaming her for this whole thing? <laughs> there was nobody saying that or defending me in any way. Yeah, yeah. And and looking back, you know, you were 23. And I remember when I was 23. And it's like, your brain's not even done completely developing until you're, like, 25, 26. Like, I remember being 23 and, like maybe not focusing on the things I should be focusing on or whatever. And not saying that's your fault. But now that you you're able to look back and, you know, what are you like around I'm the 30? 30 okay, yeah, so I'm looking back now. with your 30 year old brain, and and looking back at how people treated you as a 23 year old who is like, you know, look at the power differential that you had yeah. then with this middle age, very powerful man. Like, what are your reflections on that? I have so much more empathy for myself now. And therapy has def- definitely helped. I think I was stuck in a weird cycle of like shaming myself, blaming myself. You know, I just had so many complicated feelings about everything. And therapy has definitely helped me to kind of step aside and be like, oh, I would feel really bad if this happened to another young woman. I should probably have some empathy for myself in this situation, too, because it was really traumatic and hard and terrible. And yeah, so I don't know. It's it's hard to think about. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it makes and it makes me sad because I'm I'm scared that that, you know, even post me, too. I I don't know. I just don't know how much things really have changed. And yeah, it makes me sad to think about the idea of this kind of thing happening to some other young woman and just not a fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I really see that, you know, and I kind of see it all the time in everything that women are portrayed as, you know, in any situation, they're automatically the crazy ones, the psycho ones, the ones out to like, you know, make a buck. They're the gold diggers. They're the users, like that sort of thing. I was just reading, I was on randomly on Twitter today, and I follow the Twitter account that reposts the Am I the Asshole subreddit. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. I, I'm a, I was like, you're the asshole. You're not the asshole. I love those stories. But it was this random story about a woman who, um, you know, she she's married. She got pregnant. 
And the man's, you know, the husband starts tr- like never calling her by her name anymore, treating her like an incubator, like doing all these really awful things. And he got her a spa package for her birthday. And she kept saying, like, don't have your in-laws throw me a baby shower. You guys are like going off the deep end with this baby thing. You're always touching my stomach. You're like, I'm not a person anymore. And he got her this spa package for her birthday. And she showed up and it's like this surprise baby shower. And and she was like, fuck this. And she's like, I'm leaving. And she left her own baby shower. And uh, <laughs> and and I was like, yeah, high five. Fucking assholes. <laughs> but they're now portraying her as the crazy one that she needs to be mentally evaluated <laughs> because she how dare she not appreciate, you know, that. And I'm just like, holy shit, this happens to women. All the time. Yeah. In so many different types of situations. Like, holy shit. You know, and, and, and I think to, you know, in your situation, just as a random example, it's like, if this didn't happen to you, would you still be having to process similar shit from other things? That, even if it was just a minor thing, you know, things dealing with just people in your own personal lives. Like, how pervasive is this? How much are we all dealing with this? I think one thing that has been really great for me, and I, it's like hard for me because sometimes I hate admitting that anything good came from this nightmare that I've been in. I feel like it somehow validates the people that are like, you wanted this, even though I really didn't. Um, but the good thing that has come from all of this is that because of my childhood trauma, I was really stuck in a loop of like self-hatred and just in like a really unhealthy place mentally in mm-hmm. my early 20s. And when everything came out and my life kind of fell apart, I did have like my dark moments for sure. But during that, somehow during that, I kind of realized like everybody is like viciously attacking me, like cyberbullying me. I'm getting death threats, rape threats, like everything you can possibly imagine hate wise is being thrown at me. And it kind of made me sit back and be like, maybe I should be nice to myself. And it sounds so simple, but it was just like a weird epiphany I had. And it was a shift in my mindset where I really started actively working to just not hate myself, at least like openly. So that is a really wonderful thing that happened through the scandal that I don't know, I might still be stuck in that self-hating loop had I not had something really terrible happen to me. So... Wow. (laughs) That is the one bright side. Yeah. It's like, as you're telling me, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. But then I'm like, but that's so horrible. I had to come to that. Like, (laughs) Yeah. No. And I think that too. Yeah. It makes me sad that it took that to get me to be nice to myself. But it did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and do you think on the same token, you know, and I think that's a lesson for all of us in everything. You know, you saying that, of course, you know, it's easy to forgive other people or it's easy to give other people the benefit of the doubt, but we are always the hardest on ourselves. Like we yeah. never give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We need to just be more gentle with ourselves in general. Yeah. Something that helped me in therapy. Um, at first I had a hard time like feeling empathy for myself and my therapist would be like, well, think about, I have little nieces, you know, like think about your little niece. What would you say to her in that situation? Again, it seems like so simplistic, but taking myself out of the equation a little bit helped me be much more empathetic. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Hey, um, you know what? We're going to switch up gears here a little bit, and I think we're going to start talking politics. Ooh. Oh. Um, and Sonny and I have a very interesting experience, and it's it. Uh, we're, we're we just moved to Las Vegas from Chicago, where we've lived for you know Ever, you know forever. Yeah. And uh, now that we're in Vegas, uh, we have to do a caucus for the first time in our lives, and I'm a one issue guy so i know who i'm voting for all the time but we have to come up with three candidates that we like for a caucus so if you were in a caucus sydney what three candidates would be your top and in what order i mean definitely bernie first Woo! And then, <laughs> i mean that's an easy one no question yeah. there bernie then elizabeth warren and then it's like who the fuck cares yeah that's, <laughs> that's pretty much that's where I that's, am. that's yeah that's where we're stuck i was hoping for more guidance in that because that's exactly what <laughs> well, we said funny. my third one was like I guess Yang, because, you know, $1,000. Yeah, yeah no, like, I, that's exactly out. what I was going to yeah. say, but he just dropped out. So. <laughs> Not Klobuchar, because I hate prosecutors, so. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I yeah. And Biden is, like, senile. What the hell is happening there? <laughs> I don't know, you lion face, dog face, pony fucker. Pony, what was, what what was it? Ponies, pony soldier. Pony soldier, <laughs> not yeah. a pony boy. He says the most odd old man things. It's incredible. I'm just like waiting for him to start handing out the like old people mints and like Werther's originals. And- <laughs> you know he has a glass jar with that shit on his desk. You know oh that. no! And now I just you put the Werther's originals in my head, and now I'm like, you know, the creepy behind neck kiss from Uncle Joe. His oh, breath smells oh, like Werther's. <laughs> <laughs> smell of, uh, of Werther's and something menthol, maybe rubbed on his chest. Maybe uh, it's something he ate. No, no, What's no. so funny about Biden to me is that I didn't really think that much about him when he was vice president. Like I wasn't so like creeped out by him. It's right. like he's really done himself a disservice in this campaign. I feel like because yeah. he's just made himself look like such a joke, you know, and, and just like a loony old man. I feel like if he had set this out, he could have like kind of preserved his legacy a little better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, for sure. Now, oh man, you know, you know what I find really interesting is like before all this, you were a political geek, and like oh, you yeah. don't find many twenty, you know, early twenty year olds that are like super fucking into politics. So I mean, it's I'm I'm kind of like. I don't know, filling in the blanks. I'm assuming, were you like a political science major? Did you want to get into politics, right? I really wanted to be a lawyer and okay. wanted to work kind of behind, do stuff behind the scenes on campaigns. I never wanted to be a politician, but I definitely wanted to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely porn and everything <laughs> kind of changed my focus career-wise yeah (laughs) but however you are still doing like political commentary and stuff like what are you doing now with politics I'm now mostly just writing about it and I really like to do stuff regarding sex work and politics when I can because there really aren't very many politicians that have anything good to say or helpful to say when it comes to sex work and I like being in a position where I can kind of not bully, but <laughs> yeah, you know, just pick at them a little bit at, in the areas where they kind of need it, I think. And I do think it helps because, I mean, even in the past like year, I feel like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren have kind of started to try to change their tune a little bit. So it is nice that people putting pressure on them does make a bit of a difference. Mm-hmm. What are like for a lot of our listeners, they're 
you know, a lot of our listeners are sex workers and the ones that aren't sex workers are very pro sex work. So, but this is sort of a new thing when it comes to, to political platforms. Like we never talked about sex work when it came to political platforms and now it's a major issue. So what are some of the things that a voters should be looking for or b like things that are going on now are issues with, with sex work and politics that should be on our radar? I mean, obviously, repealing FOSTA and SESTA is a huge one. And I, I really do give Bernie the most credit. I have the most hope that he's the person that would do the right thing on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I have friends that think I'm just being a complete naive idiot to trust any politician, especially after what I've been through. But um, I, I don't know. I feel hopeful about Bernie in some way. And, and I would say I do have a little bit of that with Elizabeth Warren. Um, she had a, a banking bill, which I don't think they're trying to do anymore, but initially it was kind of a bad look where they weren't really differentiating between um, human trafficking and legal sex work. Mm. Um, but I don't think they are pushing that forward now, so that's good. But I would say any candidate that talks about decriminalizing sex work is on the right path. Um, where they start to kind of lose me is when they talk about legalizing, which obviously sex workers prefer decriminalization versus mm-hmm. legalization. And can you get a little bit more into why that is? Well, with legalization, you know, there are going to be loopholes and maybe fees and stuff that not every sex worker could afford, or it would just create loopholes that I feel like are unnecessary. Okay. And I feel like decriminalizing it. Uh, just overall is helpful because it just makes me sad. I think of how many women are just trying to pay bills, put food on the table, who get in legal trouble. The cops tell them, well, you know, you shouldn't do this type of work. But then if you have it on your record, it's even harder to get out of that type of work. It's mm-hmm. just kind of a shitty cycle they stick people in. Right, right. Yeah, I look at, you know, be, living in Nevada, we've been we've lived here for a year where brothels are legal. And I'm really starting to see firsthand, you know, when you when you legalize sex work, it's a very small number of people. And it's usually like the old white guys making all the money off the back of the actual people that are working in the brothels. And they're controlling everything. And some of the laws here, you know, like in some of the small towns, they have these like sundown laws where if you're a worker at a brothel, you can't be out on the street past 7 p.m. And like, just (laughs) I'm like, what? You know, you would think I thought moving to Nevada, like, oh, sex work is legal, pot's legal, it's a pretty liberal space. And because there is so much legal political control over these things it's so repressive yeah 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 so yeah rude awakening yeah when when dennis hoff was still alive he had tried to get me to go work at the bunny ranch and like on tv had asked me actually and i had to break his little heart and be like (laughs) dude i am not giving you 50 percent of anything ever (laughs) like it's just not happening yeah, I, I really think they screw those girls over and take way more than they should. It, it's really unfair. It, it really is. It really is. So for you now, like in your sex work, <clears throat> to my understanding, you do some porn here and there, but your main thing is like your own content creation and like only fans and like individual interaction. Is that correct? Yeah, I do a lot of like webcamming, my OnlyFans. I have an app where people can pay to text me, that kind of stuff. So oh, cool. it's really nice. I love being able to work from home. Um, when I was shooting porn more often, 
I would have to, you know, fly out, stay out there for a while. I don't like being away from my cats. As silly as that sounds. No, it does not sound silly. We no. have a house full we're of animals. The same way. Every time we have to leave, we're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I know, I know. Every time, even if it's to go on vacation, I'm like sad about it. I would rather be home with my animals. So yeah, yeah it's it's nice being able to stay home and have more of like a consistent, nice home schedule. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so how have you seen over the years, you know, talking about the politics and especially SESTA-FOSTA and how it has affected how sex workers that use the internet as their main platform? Um, what have you seen? Have you seen more and more restrictions? Are you seeing yourself not able to promote yourself as much as you used to be able to? Well, I had, I kind of took preventative measures and I don't tweet any nudes at all anymore. And I'm sure it probably does hurt my business, but I'm so scared of losing my Twitter completely Mm -hmm. that I would rather take a little hit on my income and just post like a cute selfie with my OnlyFans link versus like a nude with my OnlyFans link because yeah, I'm just terrified of losing that platform that I have spent so much time building and I feel like there would be so many people I wouldn't be able to reconnect with if I had to start from scratch. So, and I, and I know that that's not an option for every sex worker. You know, there are some people that are like, I can't take that hit in my income and not post, you know, my more explicit content. So it's tough. And I've seen so many people be deplatformed, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, obviously all the payment apps, like, it's gotten really bad the last couple of years, for sure. It's mm-hmm. scary. And I feel like, uh, SESTA FOSTA has just made it so much worse too. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you help other people with their OnlyFans as well. And I know that there's a lot of people that are just starting off and um, they're looking for some sort of uh, idea of what's going to make their OnlyFans better. Do you have one hint that you could give away for free to let people just beginning to know what's a good thing to do for your OnlyFans? I personally wouldn't put all of your content on the main feed. I would put some of your photos or even like shorter clips of your videos on the main feed. But there is a feature where you can send pay to view messages. And I think it's really, really smart to utilize that, especially for like longer video clips. You just make more money that way. I wouldn't put it all on the main feed for free. I would save some stuff to try to monetize in those pay-to-view messages because you really can make a ton of money that way. Mm. That's good to know. Do you think that it's better for people to not pay as much uh, as far as like what they're billing for a monthly fee? Oh, or like should, a low monthly Should it be like five versus- bucks or should it be 20 bucks? Um, I have mine kind of in the middle. It's like 11. Um, I think that's pretty fair. And I post tons of my nudes and all that kind of stuff on my main feed. And then if you want videos, you tip extra. People can request like Skype sessions or custom videos. And that's something else that's really smart to do on there. Um, making custom content for people or even like selling panties, that kind of stuff. Like there are so many different things you can do on there. Oh, that's awesome. See, I've, ne- I've never been. I want, I need to follow someone. Up. Maybe I'll follow you on OnlyFans because, like, <laughs> I've never followed anyone on OnlyFans. So I haven't really. Oh, you seen can check how, mine out. How it works. You have an OnlyFans? I, well, I have an Only. I, yes, I do, but I've never done anything with it. Like, I think you people, just get it. People can, like, subscribe to you and look yeah. at dick pics or whatever. Yes. Really? If I, if I was to put it up there, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but Bring I also subscribe to other people. Come on. <laughs> 
Well, let's get out. out we need me. to get dick costumes and googly eyes, I think, because I need something to set me. Because a 50 year old tattooed, bearded man is yeah, not that sexy. Could we do. So I got to dress it up somehow. Could we do? It's an OnlyFans where you never show your face. You just show your, show your dick well, in different it's costumes. Yes. It's, it's fine. But where we want to see your idea. dick with googly eyes and like cowboy hats and little, little scarves and like maybe we could tape a little a beret? cigar. Yeah, a beret. You could be like, wee oui, wee, oui, I am the cock. You know, like it would be awesome. Wee oui, wee, oui, I am the wee wee. Wee wee, I am the wee wee. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that is a great plan. I think I think we have a new revenue stream, Ken. I think we don't, but I'll I'll give it a go anyways. I will put it up there. Oh my god. Did you know that many conventional deodorants contain aluminum? And what's more shocking is that aluminum forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating. Excuse me, what? Yep. Well, Native's deodorant is made without aluminum, so you can feel better about what you're putting on your body. Now, I use Native, and I love it. It's safe. Native deodorant is formulated without aluminum, parabens, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. And you know what else? It works. Making the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant does not mean you have to sacrifice on performance. They also have over 10 cents. My favorite, that's the coconut and vanilla. I'm telling you, it is good. But some other popular ones are lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. Cool thing is Native also offers an unscented option and a baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. Native is my go-to deodorant, and I want you to try it too. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, during checkout. You also get free shipping on every order, and Native offers 30-day free returns and exchanges in the U.S., so there is no risk to try it. And if you're still not convinced, go check out over 9,000 five-star reviews from happy, fresh-smelling customers who made the switch to Native. Now head on over to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code SUNNY for 20% off your first order. You want to make sex feel better, right? Well, then use lube. It really is the key to maximizing pleasure. You also, though, want to make sure that you lube up with the highest quality body-safe ingredients. And guess what? Nothing beats UberLube. Now, if you've never used a silicone lubricant before, you are in for a real treat. Okay, so you know how water-based lube, after a few minutes, it dries out and gums up, leaving you feeling all sticky and, and weird. Well, silicone, it has lasting power. It is smooth and silky, but not all silicone lubes are created equal. UberLube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E. In fact, UberLube's simple ingredient list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to other lubricants. Fun fact, did you know that many adverse reactions to lube are usually related to water-based formulas that, get this, get absorbed into the bloodstream? Ugh. Now, another great thing about UberLube is it's wonderful for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, anal, or whatever else. And it's safe to use with latex condoms. 
Right now, Uber Lube is offering American Sex Podcast listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use my code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at uberlube.com. That's 10% off plus free shipping. Just use the code SUNNY at uberlube.com. You know, one thing I want to ask you, and, and this is particular to you and your sex work and how you came out. Yes, you use your real name because I'm assuming because you didn't fucking have a choice. Yeah, you were I had out no choice. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it just so coincidentally, you have the best name for sex work. Um, but, you know, when it comes to safety precautions, like what kinds of th- like, how has that jeopardized you? And then how would you advise people getting into the business? Like, would you advise them against using their real name? And how would you advise them to protect themselves and their own identity? Oh, I would definitely advise against using your real name for sure. Absolutely. Use a pseudonym. Definitely. I don't care <laughs> what it is. It's better than using your legal name. I didn't have a choice. Um, because of the way that the porn offer was given to me, it was all about them capitalizing on my name in the moment. So there was no option for me to use a stage name, you know, like I wouldn't have had an offer if I wanted to use a stage name basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing I would say that I don't know how many girls know this, but something to be really careful about is your Amazon wish list. Um, people can actually find a way there are a couple tricky little ways where they can get your address through that and it's really scary i've known several girls that this has happened to um so like what i personally do i'm kind of a nut about safety so like i have my wish list completely private so only i can shop from it and then if somebody instead of having somebody directly buy a gift from the wish list they have to send me a gift card and then i will buy it for myself Ah. that is just my personal paranoia um, I know other girls that use like a PO box and feel safe doing that, but that will still show your city and state. And I don't know, I still feel creeped out by that personally. So I try right. to go that extra step and just like keep the wish list to myself because it doesn't seem worth the risk to me. Yeah, that's super smart. Yeah, like even even I get paranoid about that. Like we have a PO box and I'm like, but is someone going to stake themselves out at my PO box waiting for the one time every fucking two or three <laughs> weeks? Cause I never go there and check my mail and it piles up that I'm going to be there. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Not, but... I'm weirdly paranoid. <laughs> yeah. So better safe than sorry. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, uh, I'm back to politics. So it's a shit show. Um, as we know, you are of the liberal persuasion. Um, and as we know, those of us of the liberal persuasion are like, oh, my God, fuck Trump, like, you know, fall into a hole. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with the election? Oh, I'm so nervous. I, I'm scared to be too hopeful. I really, really, really hope Bernie's going to get the nomination. But the DNC is just like shown that they are going to they're going to do anything in their power to not let this man get the nomination, even though I truly believe he has the best chance to be right. Trump. So I am just completely stressed out until we find out who the nominee is going to be, because I just don't see Mayor Pete or Klobuchar or Biden or anybody but Bernie having a real shot. Because if you think about it, like, 
all the people that like Trump's crazy bullshit that liked it in 2016, they're still all about that. He's not done anything where he's lost his space. You know, which, his supporters like, are still there. Which so. blows my fucking mind because <laughs> I'm know. just like all you people who were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you'll see once he does all this stupid shit. Like, you know, I know there's been a couple people I've seen that are like, I am so sorry I voted for this man. Like, I may be a Republican, but I'm not for Trump. But that's hardly anybody like, yeah I, I have not seen much of that at all if anything people are like doubling down every crazy thing he says or racist thing he says they just like eat it up it's really disturbing so that really scares me yeah. <laughs> definitely definitely concerned um I mean, honestly, I had been saying this whole time that I thought Trump was going to be reelected, but Bernie is like the one glimmer of hope I feel like we have. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, one thing that concerns me, I heard in the news recently here in Nevada that um, one of uh, Pete Buttigieg's uh, campaign managers is the person who's now in charge of the caucus for the state I of Nevada. I saw that. Yeah, and that I really, saw that. that really worries me. That and it's they're be like they're New hitting hard. We have another be like Iowa all over again. Yeah, we have another Mayor Pete flyer on our door this morning. Oh, I saw like, that. I burned just, it. I'm sorry. I like lo- you know. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah and uh, no offense to Mayor Pete, but like, dude, you're basically a Republican. I just I don't know. I don't understand the enthusiasm. I really would I like either. to vote. And I really would like to vote for a gay man. I think that would be fabulous. I would love that. The same way I would have loved to have a woman president. But did I think Hillary was the best choice? No. I don't really think <laughs> Mayor Pete is the best choice either. So Yeah. I don't, like, despise him or think he's evil or anything. But I also don't think he's the right person for the job at all. And I, I don't trust him to have any progressive values, really. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that's the big problem here is that if we go, if it's not a progressive that wins the White House, it's going to be a huge step backwards, even I more agree. than Trump, I even agree. more than Trump, because we can't go back to the way it was. That just yeah. normalizes racism, the DNC being in charge and not having people have a say in their politics. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really worried about the healthcare situation. If we don't do something really fast, that is like the biggest issue, I feel like. Yeah. And Bernie is the person I trust the most when it comes to healthcare, for sure. That's my number one issue right now. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I'm a veteran and I have the VA and basically everybody will have the VA. It'll be the same thing. that like free same, everything. Yeah, it's yeah. the same health care that I get right now. And it's great and it works wonderful. There are times I have to wait a little bit, but it's not unreasonable. Yeah, my dad is a veteran too. So I'm like very familiar with the VA for sure. But yeah, I just... I, I don't know. I don't dislike Elizabeth Warren either, but I don't trust her as much as I trust Bernie when it comes to Medicare for all. I really think he could get that done. And I don't see any of the other Democrats making that a real priority. Yeah, no, that yeah. needs to be. That's, you know, I, I love everybody so much that I want everyone to have free health care. Exactly. If, even yes. if it rides over what they want for their personal freedom. I'm sorry, <laughs> I do. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. when, it, when it boils down to it, though. To get rid of Trump, I would vote for a potato. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Well, I, I feel like I've been tricky because I try to publicly say, like, I would only vote for Bernie. But on the inside, I probably would vote for whoever. But I feel like it's kind of important to even make the DNC think that we would only vote exactly. for Bernie. Like, yeah. I just am scared to be like, yes, we'll take whatever we can get. You know what I mean? It's like when you threaten your kids, wanna... like, you better go to bed now or I'm not going to let you. And you totally aren't going to do that, but you're just hoping they buy the threat. Like, Yeah. Yes. I, I feel like we need to be threatening the DNC in that way. Totally. <laughs> Even if we don't mean it. 
<laughs> totally. So I want to know what's next for you. I had I, I was looking at your Twitter and I saw a tweet and I was like, motherfucker. I think it was a tweet or maybe it was your Facebook. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But you were like, <laughs> you were finishing up school and you're like, I need to get an internship. And you went to some news outlet or something in an internship. And then they they found out your name because your name is your name. And they they like, I don't know, belittled you or, you know, treated oh, you Oh, yeah. Badly. So this was a couple years ago. I, I needed, I was in my last semester of school and you have to have an internship to graduate. Mm-hmm. So uh, my boyfriend at the time, his friend's dad worked at the lo- local CBS station. And I called, I told him who I was so he would know immediately. I said who I was, knowing that he would know my name. Mm-hmm. I said who I was. I said, you know, I'm looking for this internship. I just need it for a semester. I'm willing to do it completely unpaid. You know, you don't have to give me anything. I just need to be able to graduate. Right. He tells me, well, I think I can probably do that. And not only that, but we are, we have like a couple of positions. I think one of them was closed captioning, some other stuff, which that's what my degree is in is like video and radio production. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, perfect. Like I'm definitely interested. He's like, can you come in today? So I drop everything, go there that afternoon thinking I'm definitely going to get an internship and possibly like a paying job too. And as soon as I walk in, he's like, oh, so you're the Sydney Leathers. And it, it, I just immediately was like, oh, no. Like, it's it's one of those guys. <laughs> like, he basically just called me in to treat me as if I was like a spectacle or like a circus freak. And told me he couldn't hire me for anything after on the phone, you know, on the phone, he was basically acting like he was definitely going to at least give me the internship. It was really, really weird. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and it's hard, too, because there are people in my family who they mean well, but they'll be like, you have a degree now. Why are you still like working from home and doing sex work? And, you know, why wouldn't you use your degree? And I'm like, you have no idea how people treat me because of who I am or whatever. You know, it just is so much more complicated than the average person trying to get a job. Right, right. And do you see, you know, as time goes on and people, I don't know, wake the fuck up, and become more understanding. Do you see the possibility of you getting a, you know, a broadcast job in the mainstream to be more attainable? Or do you think that you're, you know, maybe doing something that's more in the adult sphere? Like, what do you think is going to happen with so your that, career? Yeah, that's something I've been trying to figure out. Um, one thing I like about having a degree in production is that worst case scenario, I get a job in porn production. And like, that's what I do. You know, mm-hmm. nobody in porn is going to be angry that I did porn. <laughs> so right. it's like, that, that's something I could always fall back on. I really would like to work in more mainstream TV production. Um, and I have a lot of connections in that friends that work in the industry or people I've done stuff with. Um, so it's something I've thought about for sure, but I don't, you know, it's one of those weird situations where I don't want to get my hopes up too much. And I'm kind of glad that I have sex work to fall back on regardless, because yeah, it's just, it's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about changing your legal name? So like, you're oh, I'm sit- going to really. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. on the resume, you could be like Jane Doe or whoever. Yeah, no, I'm definitely, I, I've thought about this a lot and I love my first name, so I really don't want to change my first name, but I think I'm going to change my last name and just hope I can just get by yeah. <laughs> with that and fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah, I, I've been laughing with my friends about this for like the past year or two. Like, 
I was like, should I make my name even more porno sounding somehow? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't even know what that would be. A but. Jugs or something. Like yeah. Sydney Jugs. Rain, if you had the last name Rain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sydney Rain, Sydney Jugs. Yeah. yeah. Put yep. a Misty think- in there, maybe. Like- Sydney, yeah, Sydney I- Misty? <laughs> no. I've, I've definitely been like laughing with people privately about that. Like, how, what and what a weird person am I that I've done porn under my legal name, so I need a new legal name. Yeah, <laughs> life is fucking weird. Life really is really is. fucking weird. But yeah, you know, I have to say, like thinking about just everything that's that you've gone through with the media. You know, Ken and I had a like the most minor scandal. It was like nothing compared to what you went to, but we did the the fuck saw demonstration at Northwestern. I don't know if you remember oh, hearing about that in the news in I like think 2011. I yeah. And it was really interesting because I think, you know, I'm a smart person. I have a business degree. I am worldly. I, I thought I knew about the media. I was in advertising where I worked with like major TV stations and radio stations. Like if anyone should know how the media works, I thought that I was that person. And then when we went through that scandal, and basically, we did, you know, a yes, it was a demonstration of a, a sex <laughs> device. Like, there's no way I can say that makes it sound like, you know, innocent. We used the fox side and made somebody squirt exactly. in front of a group of students. <laughs> that, and they knew about it ahead we of time. We did it in a very controlled environment. It was, you know, uh, sexual, human sexuality students. Da, da, da. Like, it made sense when you listen to the details. It wasn't just we were teaching a math class right. and then fuck saw. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I wish I was high on pot news. Bend over. No. Um, so... Uh, just the way the media took that story and the things that I heard, like the headlines that I saw, and the, and I just wanted to scream, like, that is not what happened. Like, how are these outlets getting that this is what happened when that is not at all what happened? And to us, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess compared to your thing, it was a little scandal. Um, But did you feel like that? Like, did you really realize how t- fucking twisted the media can get shit until you were in it. No, I definitely didn't realize until I was in it. And one thing that's so funny about my scandal is that I had I felt safe to like release this information anonymously because that's how everything got out in the beginning. I was trying to anonymously leak this information. I didn't want to be connected to it at all. And I felt safe because there had been other women that had said stuff about, you know, it wasn't his first scandal and nobody outed the other women. So I felt like I'm not a public person. They're not going to care. It doesn't matter who I am. He's the public person. Right. You know, so I felt like I had the sense of safety from that. And it's funny, um, a few of my journalist friends and I have kind of tried to put the pieces together of like, why I got out and how I got out just I guess for my own sanity or like peace of mind yeah and honestly we do kind of get hung up on the fact that I think my stupid name was part of it (gasps) like I actually think that because it was like a catchy headline you know it was like catchy to run with um because he had used like I knew I was talking to him but he had an account under a fake name at one point so I think because they used his like fake name and then my real name was weird and it just made for like good fodder for them. Um, and I think they just like weren't really and they knew it was my real name, but I think they just like weren't really thinking of me as a real person. I don't know if that's because I was like a sexual woman 
in or what, but I think it's just, just because they're in the media. Yeah, know? I mean yeah, that's so. their job. But I, you know what? I can guarantee this would have ended differently if your name was Shirley Borenstein or something like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously, yes. I got I, your I new name. I got your new name. You could be Sydney Borenstein. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's their job to just like objectify you in a sensationalistic news way. And I, you know, like Ken said, we were like going through YouTube last night and just like looking at some of the old videos and the news clips and stuff. And there was one where I wanted to fucking we have a nice, relatively new Amazon TV and I want to smash it through the fucking window. (laughs) It was like, don't do that to our TV. No, I won't. But I wanted to in my brain. I wanted to. Uh, It was this news story that seemed on the surface, very balanced. Like, we're just reporting what's happening, <laughs> you know? But really, you could, f- the undertones were like, and this is Sydney Leathers. And we went to her Facebook, which is now, you know, deleted or private or whatever. And, and there's just like pictures of you in a lawn chair in your bathing suit and pictures yeah. any other 23 year old would take, like selfies that are all like, there was feeling nothing, cute, I'm sorry, but you weren't salacious at all. Yeah. You're a terrible sex worker. It was not salacious. <laughs> it was pretty fucking boring. It, to be it was like your so average twenty three. Yeah. I didn't even get and half nobody, wood. Half nobody wood. Nobody knew that's I it. was a sex worker. That's something that's so crazy too. Yeah. Is that, you know, I had been doing the sugar baby thing for a while, but I really thought that was something I could keep on the down low, and nobody in my life would ever find out. I was that naive that I really, really believed that that was something I could just kind of like get away with and be sneaky about. Yeah. I told almost nobody. I had maybe like two friends that knew. Like almost nobody in my life knew about that part of my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, but I remember watching this and they were just like, and here's, look at this selfie where she seems <laughs> very like a sexually confident young woman. And look at these salacious selfies. Oh, I'm like, I just, are you kidding me? I just me? remembered one of the funniest things uh, that anybody ever tried to ambush me with in an interview. I was doing something with Inside Edition and they like, I thought, we, I think we were like done and I was like in another room about to leave and they come in and they're like so serious and they're like, well, we just got something over the wire. And I'm like, what the fuck now? You know, <laughs> oh, like no. what now? And he's like, did you get a ticket for marijuana when you were 19? <laughs> oh, God. Are you fucking kidding me? I, I didn't even get arrested. I got a ticket for like three grams of pot when I was a 19-year-old. Yeah, and that was like the dramatic thing they wanted to ask me about on camera. What, were you cruising and I, downtown Alton and like? <laughs> and I guess it was. And I guess it was so boring that it wasn't even aired in the interview. Like they ambushed me with the shit, and I was just kind of like, yeah, so, and then I never ran anything. Oh my god. Yeah. Leather smoke pot in nineteen ninety-six. Yeah, it just made me laugh. I was like, oh, cool. Like that's the best, most like salacious thing you could find on me is that I got a ticket for pot. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like American fuckers listening along, if you've never been like the subject of a news story or like a media scandal, they're fucking ruthless. Like they, they will find everything. Yes. Everything you ever said or done or yeah it, it was crazy the stuff they came up with like Ugh. they went to my so they went to my dad's work which I found troubling not only that they went to his ex-wife's house he was married to her like 20 years before I was even born like I've never I don't even know this woman <laughs> bugging her it was just like really mortifying yeah they like harassed the owner of this tanning salon I used to go to <laughs> 
Oh they my God. bugged. They seriously bugged like everybody I have ever known in my life. It was so mortifying. Oh. So what advice do you have? There's got to be somebody listening. I hope. I hope our audience is big enough where we have. There's a woman listening right now <laughs> who is at the helm of a scandal or is about to be. What advice do you have for her? Um, this is going to sound really like cynical, but trust almost no one. <laughs> I like, I can't tell you how many people started asking me for money because they assumed I was just filthy rich. <laughs> uh. So like people would, you know, ask me for loans or make up sob stories to try to get money from me. Or uh, I had a guy that I thought I was really close friends with. And at this point, uh, this is in the midst of it where I would kind of have to like camp out in hotel rooms and not leave a lot. And this sounds insane, but I really was being like followed by paparazzi and stuff. And I was wow. in New York at the time. So that does happen there. And so I'm like hiding in my hotel room. I'm there. I might have even been there to do the Hannity thing. Actually, I think I was. So I'm like hiding out trying to be left alone and somebody I considered a friend had asked if he could bring me food and I thought, oh, that's so thoughtful. Like somebody cares about me. He sold my hotel information <gasps> to a tabloid and the paparazzi no! came and like staked it out and yeah, it was terrible. What so a was dick. Like, yeah, <gasps> so you just have to be so careful because people you think are your friends will like sell your exact location for, I don't know, probably a couple hundred bucks. I'm sure it wasn't that Holy much. shit, like Here's your panini and your paparazzi. Surprise. Yeah, oh yes. And that hurt my feelings so bad because it was like somebody I really trusted. <laughs> that sucks. Holy motherfucking I'm shit. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so I would say anybody going through some like major scandal like that, like be prepared to have crazy shit like that happen. There was another time where um, the press was like literally hanging out at this taco place in my small hometown asking everybody that came through the drive-thru if they had a story about me. Oh my God. <laughs> there was a girl I hadn't been, you know, we were friends when we were like small children, like elementary school. And then um, we just didn't, for whatever reason, didn't stay in touch really or stay close, but nothing ever happened between us. You know, there was never a falling out. Nobody was ever mean to anybody. We just didn't stay friends as we got older. And she apparently was going to go on CNN and like make up horrible things about me. But then at the last moment, she realized they weren't going to pay her. So she backed out. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I enjoyed that story a lot, too, because, yeah, I, I mean, if I haven't hung out with you since like first grade, I can't imagine what you would say about me. But <laughs> oh, my God. Sydney Leather, smoke pot at 19 and peed in her pants in kindergarten. Like, she, really? <laughs> yeah, she stole all the crayons and she was a selfish bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. So um, let <laughs> just oh, God, let our listeners know one where they can find you. And two, what do you have coming up that we can look forward to? Um, so the best places to find me are my Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sydney Elaine XO. And then my OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com slash Sydney Leathers. And there's actually a link on my Twitter where you can click for my OnlyFans or my texting app. I use Sex Panther. Awesome. And for those listening along, as always, we will have all of those links in the show notes for this episode at AmericanSexPodcast.com. Well, this has been fucking amazing. Yes, uh, thank it's you. Been very fun. Yeah, no, thank, thank you. you guys. I enjoyed <laughs> laughing and listening and 
not really commiserating because I have not even been through like a little tiny. I mean, I just realized how fraction. much how fortunate we were. We had each other, like in, in Aww, our situation, yeah. right? And she was all by herself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm that's so sorry. Up. In a weird way, though, again, I feel like it has made me much stronger and happier, and I'm in a much better place now. So, again, I hate to think that anything great <laughs> came from my scandal, but it kind of did. So Aww. it's okay. That's good. Aww. Well, you, as I said in the beginning, I have always thought you kick major at, like, you were such a badass. Seriously. Aww, thank so thank you. I love you. Aww, I feel the same about you. Aww. Aww. Well, thank you. This has been awesome. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you. All righty. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.